Lunch break. Hey guys, welcome to a brand new episode of Lunch Break. As you can see, we have three brand new faces here, and that's because we're talking about the HBO APA Visionaries of 2020, a very exciting topic. But we also have our plus one, Kara Chan. Kara Chan requested that we have Hawaiian food, so I got some poke. Join us for this very special lunch break because we're going to be talking about filmmaking. Today we have Tiffany, Thomas, and Johnson, and you guys are the 2020 finalists for the uh, HBO APA Visionaries competition, which showcases emerging APA filmmakers. Tiffany, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your film and yeah. yourself? The film is called Fine China. And it is a musical about a silent family dinner, and it is about the this I guess daughter who、um, is struggling to talk about grief with her parents, and so it's all about the silence that permeates their family,、um, and it's told in three songs. Nice, very very cool. We'll dive into that more. Thomas, what about yours? Yeah, so my short film is called C. Spelled S I. It's just basically a day in the life of、um, an Asian American boy. In the white suburbs of Concord, Massachusetts,、um, specifically right after school during baseball practice, and then、um, until he gets home,、um, and we just kind of chronicle that those sequence of events and see、um, these certain acts of microaggression that are you know seemingly very subtle、um, and you know kind of disguised as jokes and games. Yeah, it's、uh, it's pretty intense,、uh, Johnson. My film is called Lonely Blue Night. And it's a portrait of a Chinese family,、uh, in which there is an awkward family reunion during a business slash karaoke dinner,、uh, where a mom and a daughter reunite. Yeah, and for everyone watching, you'll be able to watch these films on September twenty fifth.、Uh, the links will be down below. But I want to say that these films、um, felt so real, and I think.、Uh, It really is a testament to to the inspiration that you guys are drawing from. I forgot to mention that I, I actually submitted and was a finalist、uh, with Julie Zahn for our film Zoetic、uh, last year at 2019. It was such a great community, and、uh, just talking about some of the inspiration, I, I, I imagine that a lot of it came from personal experiences. Johnson, would you be able to、uh, share some of the inspiration behind、L、Lonely Blue Night? A lot of the themes in the film come from the song itself. There's a song in the film that we use called、uh, "Lonely Blue Nights." A lot of the story comes organically from where we shot it.、Uh, you know, we shot it in Alhambra in the SGV.、Um, that's where I was born and raised. And、uh, a lot of the things that we try to talk about in the film,、um, down to like the family dynamics and the rituals and traditions. That's all stuff that I grew up with、uh, in the SUV, and、uh, it's stuff that I don't see kind of portrayed on in film that much. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of the dining table,、uh, Tiffany, your film、uh, also took place all at the dining table, but at home, right? And it had a really nice performative dance music aspect. It's it's a musical. Yes,、um, it's an entirely sung through musical without dialogue, which is was really fun to shoot. Essentially, the inspiration came from the fact that I'm a really big musical theater fan, and just like not seeing myself、um, or my family really represented、um, in that medium. And so, I really wanted to kind of explore that space. And I think that I just 
was really interested in the juxtaposition between a very quiet Chinese family and a really big kind of dramatic musical number with like songs and dancing and, and, and in a way that, you know, I haven't ever seen my family and perform, I guess. It, it was also, I think, mostly about silence. I think that that's what the entire short is very much about. And I think that that in a musical form is interesting. Or like the beauty, I guess, that silence can have in a family, you know, like it's not this like dark and scary thing, but also kind of the pitfalls of it, like that it stops you from being able to speak about your own grief. It's, it's always a challenge for, um, you know, children, of, you know, even the entire family, uh, immigrant family, to decipher what it means uh, when, when people are silent. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it was really refreshing to see people uh, sing and dance at the dining table in a way that you can only imagine, you know, um, but really well done. And just the production aspect of that was really impressive. Thank you. And Thomas, what about uh, C? You know, our, uh, the main protagonist is a um, Asian American adoptee. So he lives in Massachusetts and he is an, he's adopted by white parents. With that information, um, like I'm not adopted. So the inspiration of that didn't come from me, but the title, um, C came from one of my closest friends who's uh, a Korean American and he's adopted by American parents. He's like the only other Asian pretty much like in the general vicinity of my town basically like at least from you know who I grew up with and like went to school with. It was largely based on his experience at first and then in researching like the story of adoptees and like transracial uh, adoption, I've also learned a lot about like the Asian American experience and like what that means growing up and like all the internal bias and the oppression that comes with it and all these things that I've felt kind of growing up here um, but didn't know how to put into words. I kind of realized that through like, you know, exploring my friend's story. And so I combined those stories and then kind of found the rest of the inspiration for this film. And speaking of inspiration, like I've seen Wong Fu's and like your stuff, like short films all the time growing up. And so I'm sure that's had a huge impact on like the kind of stories that I want to tell. Always, always good to hear. Thank, thank you. Um, and you guys are going to be inspirations for, you know, the next generation or your friends as well, because I think it really, really is exciting when HBO has this showcase for us to share each other's work in the community. And every year there's more and more variety to, uh, to the submissions. Um, it's really exciting and inspiring to watch. It's really interesting that you, you found your friend's story. Like basically C is a film about identity, belonging, and, and a lot of perceived masculinity. And I feel like, especially for Asian males, that's something that is uh, not talked about a lot. Did you discover some of those experiences you went through? Well, I didn't play baseball particularly when I was growing up. I mean, C did, but I played lacrosse. And lacrosse is like the sport in my town. You know, it's like everyone plays it and they're all American. It's very rowdy. The locker rooms after, you know, practice are like this, it's like a whole nother world. And so I was like super interested in that. At this time of writing, um, I was finishing senior year of high school. I was like, I want to do live action. Um, I want to tell something personal. Um, what can I write about? I like interviewed my friend C um, every weekend at an ice cream shop. And, uh, you know, from there I realized like the similarities in our stories. As someone who's, you know, Asian, you know, kind of on the outside, but has this perfect persona of an American, like white boy who's like, plays lacrosse, is like athletic, you know, like. The classic, the classic American, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like a lot of us, you know, whether it isn't that exact story, like whether it be male or female, like Asian American or Indian American, like everyone has that story of assimilation as they come of age. And I feel like not everyone kind of 
finds a way out of it all the time. Even just a year ago, you know, I would be, it sounds bad, but like ashamed of, you know, being who I am, you know? And a lot of that pride comes from like learning about other people and their stories and stuff like that. So hopefully this film can like, you know, kind of share that. Yeah. And I think one of the, the best uh, aspects of, of filmmaking like this is you do discover parts of yourself and they're not always great parts either, but you're confronted by what you've chosen to accept and what you, you've chosen to celebrate. Johnson, your film shows an entire family, the perspectives of, of every member of the family, right? So there's a, a mother, a father, and a brother, a son and a daughter. I feel like we get a, a good glimpse of each of those characters throughout the night as they have this business meeting with Caucasian uh, business leaders. It's nice to see how there's like little interactions between them represent how they really feel. Yeah, I think all in, in like, you know, um, a Chinese, Chinese American family, like those specific interactions that you have within like different members of a family, like you are a different person with each member of your family. Um, and you even sometimes you switch the language you use depending on who you're talking to and in, in what context. Getting to reveal these characters through like their interactions with each other, um, through like what they hide and what they show to each other. A big part of the film is um, performance in a sense, the performance within their uh, social dynamics and their family dynamic. When a father is introducing their children to um, you know other businessmen and trying to impress them with his uh, great fatherhood, um, you know, he's gonna try to perform a certain way and like the children are expect expected to perform a certain way too. There's a lot of that that I'm interested in uh, in this film. And you know, the biggest stage for this family performance happens over a dinner table, you know, that that's like where you where you go to show off in a sense to, to other people um, more than anywhere else. It really hits close to home when, uh, when you see like uh, Asian parents kind of show off their kids and, and compliment and say how great they are. They very rarely say it to the kids themselves, you know, it's, it's always this uh, status symbol. This episode is brought to you by Purple. Purple is improving the way we sleep thanks to research and innovation in sleep comfort. You might think all matches are alike, right? But does your mattress have over 1,800 open-air channels designed to neutralize body heat or cutting-edge technology that's engineered for total head and neck support and absolute airflow? Well, thanks to the Purple Grid, your Purple mattress and pillows instantly adapt to your body's natural shape and sleep style. Personally, I sleep on my back and enjoy a cool night's sleep, so Purple products ensure the best sleep for me to be ready to take on the next day. Elevate your sleep with Purple. Not to mention you can try every Purple product risk-free with free shipping and returns. Great financing options are available as well. Experience the Purple Grid and you'll sleep like never before. For a limited time, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com lunch10, promo code lunch10 for 10% off of $200 or more. Terms apply. Now let's get back to the episode. Here's a question. Did, uh, did your families watch your films yet? Um, no, <laughs> not yet. Um, I think that they're going to be watching it also along with the premiere. Um, but they were very okay. excited. It's, it's been really interesting. I think it's actually the very first short that I'm making that is about a Chinese family, I guess, in, in a very real way. And that's so centered around um, this unit. And it was so interesting to make because most of my cast and all of my crew were essentially Asian. And, and so 
it was like this really special and moving experience where there's so little that you have to explain to anybody that's working on the project with you. And there is this very deep to the core understanding of the story you're trying to tell. And that makes me both nervous and excited for my parents to watch it because I think that it hit to the core of something that felt very truthful to me. But as is, you know, the complex nature of silence, it is both this beautiful thing and this haunting thing. It'll be really interesting for them to see. Yeah, and uh, to, to give you a little glimpse of that, I guess, I, I was the same with uh, mine and Julie's film, Zoetic, was about um, a Chinese mother that doesn't have self-love for herself. Like, she's always caring for other people, mm. but not really for herself. So, like, we had both mine and Julie's mom sit down and watch this film for the first time, and we were so nervous because uh, it's, it's this thing that you, you always want to tell your parents, like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm fine now, I'm an adult, but uh, what about yourself, you know? And... Um, I think they, they were both just very like, hmm, yeah, it was good. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like this big grand uh, reaction or anything. Another, another through line in all the films is this idea of, I think, validation. Like so much of uh, growing up Asian American is, is trying to find that validation within, um, within our family, but also within like our friends and, and the people we grow up with. Thomas, your film, um, actually your film has a, a friend of ours. His name is Ki Hong. Oh, yeah. Lee. You work with Keong, who has, you know, been in some major uh, feature films, um, some of Wang Fu's stuff. How is it like working with him and some of the other non-Asian actors? He's the coolest guy. He's awesome. He's dope. Um, I love him. When I first cast him, um, I just basically cold called um, his agent's assistant or something and then just like worked my way back up and then like got in contact with him, got sent him the script. He liked it and that's the way to Skype. This was my first real budgeted like live action short. And so I had like zero experience directing actors. And so I was doing so much homework, you know, reading books on acting, um, reading articles, podcasts, websites. Cause I was so afraid, like, what if I say the wrong thing? I like printed out like 10 pages of notes. I got on set and what I realized after, like after all that was over is, you know, that doesn't matter at all. Like sure you can like learn about, you know, active verbs and stuff and like how to direct actors and stuff. But like at the end of the day, what I learned so much was what's going on presently. The actors will bring something new to you. They'll bring something else to the table. And so you got to work with what's there. And like, that was like a total revelation to me. That was worth like 10 times film school. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was such a, you know, humbling experience. Yeah. It's a crash course right there. And I think what mm -hmm. you learned is exactly right. There's no right way. Um, there's ways that appeal to certain actors more than others, but in the end, it's, it's your way of directing. And that brings out a certain story that's unique to you. A large part of your cast is non-Asian and they're playing this very, um, I guess, aggressive, typically masculine, like high school's, uh, baseball player, right? Did they have a good understanding of what you're trying to say? Like, how were they confronted with those roles themselves? It's hard to find like 18 to 22 year olds that you know have lived this life before who have been like in that position where you know whether they know it or not but like you know aren't very aware of the things that they're doing you know whether it's like microaggression or whatnot i don't know if they've ever been in that role before if they've haven't if they've actually lived that life i mean that's what mm -hmm. an actor is supposed to do you know they're supposed to bring in a new character so they don't have to have known that life but i feel like yeah. especially being in massachusetts like they knew that that rough kind of feeling sort of and yeah. so we just played off that and kind of like you know improvised a little bit it's super believable 
And um, yeah, I always find it interesting when basically you're, you're asking like someone to play a, a, a bully. What's interesting is what happens after the shoot, how they talk about it with their friends, if it makes them have their own realizations or introspection about exactly what you said, how they've acted in the past. Kudos on the directing there. Thank you. Uh, Johnson, you were directing an entire family. Um, was the family, were they actually related or did you cast them separately? Oh yeah, they're completely uh, unrelated. <laughs> um, oh wow. Yeah, um, but you know, I think that kind of helps. We didn't actually have that much time for rehearsal either. So that kind of like stilted dynamic of a family getting to know each other again actually came across in the fact that they were strangers. They, they all came from like different or international acting industries too. Um, so there was wow. some, this interesting dynamic of like how they all approached their craft. Uh, and, you know, for me, as someone who's mostly worked with non-actors before, a big part of learning how to work with them was to just uh, hold myself back a little bit, to just kind of say less, to be, um, to kind of get out of their way a lot of times, like letting them do their thing, especially like Diana, like she's such a professional. The fact that they, they didn't know each other was an advantage and it actually made it very, very believable because uh, there are parts of our own families that we don't really know, or we only see that um, that one version of them, like you said earlier. Tiffany, your cast uh, of three, right? Mm -hmm. Just three people. Yeah. What was it like directing them? Similarly to Thomas, actually, this is very much was one of the first things that I've made that is live action before I had done a little bit of animation. And so it was like a really big deal for me, I guess, to be working with like a real cast and crew. Each of them came through in a really special way. Actually, only the mother had ever danced before. And so oh, wow. we, yeah, it, everybody had their one thing, but it was all like kind of random finds and like using casting sites or a friend of a friend and relying heavily on rehearsal, which was really fun because it was kind of the get to know you time, but also you could kind of build that confidence you would need to have on set when you're actually shooting. And so we not only rehearsed with the cast, with the dancing and the choreographer, but also like with the camera and stuff too. Like I think because I was relatively new, it was a lot of shedding ego and pride and realizing that I actually don't have the answers to every single question and that's totally fine. And there are so many more people on this set that know more than me. And so kind of like knowing when to trust your gut and then knowing when to kind of like let it go to the people that kind of get what they're doing and trusting everyone to do their job. Your short takes place just at the table within one dining room, which is very indicative of the times that we're living in now, <laughs> you know, when we're confined to spaces. But I think that really shows, uh, you know, there's stories everywhere and, right. um, and you, can, you can tell and capture that story no matter, you know, who you are, what equipment you have, um, it, it just, you just have to go out and do it. And I think a, a lot of Wang Fu is based on that idea as well. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. Since this year has been a year unlike any other, we know that people are buying more stuff online than ever before. So if you're an e-commerce seller and need to fulfill your big orders efficiently, the choice is simple with ShipStation. ShipStation is the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. In just a few clicks, you're managing orders, printing out discounted shipping labels, and getting your products out fast. ShipStation allows us to integrate our online store easily to streamline our fulfillment process. They even have discounted shipping layers for all the major carriers, including USPS, UPS, and FedEx. 
So no matter what you're selling or where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. You can even manage your orders through your phone. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. And right now, Lunch Break Podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code LUNCH. That's 60 days free with the offer code LUNCH. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of the massive online shopping season. Get started at ShipStation.com today. Make ship happen. Now let's get back to the episode. Any advice the three of you as uh, emerging filmmakers for people that want to enter the co- this contest in the future or just want to make films in general? The piece of information that I would give is that you can do so much with so little and it's so much more about the people and what you're what you bring to the table specifically. And sometimes I think that a big thing that I had to learn was that I would get really tied up in the thing that I'm doing being like the thing, the be all end all, like it will speak for me for the rest of my life. And what I have found is that it's more of a process. It's like you make the thing and then right after you start making the next thing and everything should matter, but it shouldn't stop you. Um, from getting something done. And so that's kind of been the way that I move through things now. A, a piece of advice that someone gave to me was that like every film you make is, uh, it's like a time capsule of who you are at that time. All the like mistakes that you make or even like the way you see the world, like at that specific time, even if it's not like who you are a few years from now. And it's like, you know, you might be afraid to like tackle a certain thing. Cause you're like, oh, I might feel a, a completely different way about this later on. Um, but to just like know that like, you know, these films are things you can look back on and just be like, oh, that's who I was at that time. I don't know, but that unlocked a lot of things for me to just be like, okay, I can talk about these things even if uh, uh, it's not specifically something that I feel like I have like wisdom on yet. Tiffany mentioned the process. That for me is super important. Um, just having that be like the priority. Uh, like for me, this film was a big family affair. Like I, like my parents, my uh, my sister came to set. Uh, I had a lot of friends on set. Uh, we shot in a restaurant that you know I have a uh, a lot of love for, and you know that's a memory that I can always have when I look at this film now. And that for me is more important than the final product. It's just like a mirror for me to look at and then remember uh, this good time. That hopefully you know will allow someone who's thinking about making something to start doing something with like people that they are like, you know, friends with and in places that they feel uh, like a love for. Totally 100% agree. And I think when you when you shift the perspective to a time capsule, um, it, it makes things feel way more um, like available. And uh, it's, it's kind of like scrapbooking, you know, no one's ever like, I'm not gonna get the perfect scrapbook page, but it's like, no, you do it to uh to capture a moment johnson what i'm hearing from you and like tiffany as well like what i'm hearing is almost make it personal you know when you're making it you're like who's gonna watch this who's gonna care about this like this is just so relevant to me like it doesn't matter to anyone else but when you make it like that that specific you know it's actually more universally appealing if you kind of zone in really like really um small and kind of target a feeling, a newfound feeling, a newfound emotion that you haven't seen on screen before or haven't felt in like on screen before. I'm kind of stealing this from Barry Jenkins, but he talks about this a lot where like, you know, he focuses on a feeling and he takes that and basically pulls it throughout the entire movie, through every conversation, every scene, it's always about that feeling that he's getting to. And personally for me, that's what's worked for me. I like what you said. I think all three of your messages were very on point and, and uh, very precise, and I think exactly we're we're taught to think that we have to tell a story that 
uh, will appeal to um, as many people as possible. And that's how it's going to be popular or that's how it'll be best received. But actually, when you focus in on the specificity, it becomes more personal and you'll be surprised at how many people can relate to that one moment or experience told through this very uh, specific angle. There's something to celebrate there. And I think that's what HBO APA Visionaries does so well. Um, it really asks us to focus in on those very specific moments. So congratulations to you guys again. It's really funny that you guys haven't even seen each other's films yet. I feel like very privileged that I got to watch them all. But for everyone watching uh, this episode of Lunch Break, you can catch all three films on September 25th at hbovisionaries.com at 5 p.m. Pacific time. You can also watch the films on HBO Max. There'll be a link to the trailer and um, a link to watch the films uh, down below in the information when those are ready. Thank you guys so much for speaking about your films. Uh, it's you. always nice to, me to meet other filmmakers. It's been a crazy year, but it's really nice to know that people are still making uh, amazing content. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. And Kara, I'm going to eat this right now. Sorry I didn't get to, but this Hawaiian food's going to be great. Everyone else, you can check us out. Uh, as you know, wongforproductions.com. We have a Patreon. We have a store. All the links we talked about a lot will be down below. Uh, thanks for watching. Bye.